morning, guys. It's great to see you here and not trapped in a ditch somewhere. It's fantastic. Hey, we're continuing in our series, Living Hope. Uh, I'll say that for quite a few weeks in a row, walking through the book of First Peter. Today we move into chapter 2. So if you uh, want to open your Bible or your Bible app, if you have that, go to First Peter chapter 2. Today we're going to see three pictures of what it looks like for us to live in hope, to live as God's chosen people. And you might not think you love the pictures that we're going to see. Uh, we're going to find out through the first 10 verses and acro- across the next uh, you know, 30 minutes that we are babies, we are stones, and we are priests. That very likely doesn't sound all that appealing to you. Uh, But we're going to discover that each one of those things is beautiful and special and a part of what we are together in Christ. And to get us thinking in that direction, let's think about three more things. Let's consider coffee, sushi, and the great Willy Wonka. (laughs) Because those are three things that someone likely had to convince us we would like. Those are three things that force us to make a decision about whether or not we will miss out on something just because it might not sound like we'll like it, okay? Uh, Raise your hand if you drink coffee. Look around everyone at all the generally happier people (laughs) than those without their hand up. My dad is 63 years old, will not drink coffee. Coffee is a universally treasured beverage. It has been considered a luxury for 600 years. It has some health benefits. It has energy for life. It is truly delicious, affirmed by billions, but my dad and others don't drink it. They're convinced it isn't good, so they're missing out on something, and it is a flavor tragedy. Raise your hand if you eat sushi. Non-sushi eaters already, I'm not, I don't want to eat raw fish. Try it. Try it. They're like, I'm not trying sushi because it smells like raw fish. (laughs) Friends, sushi is double chef's kiss. (laughs) So good. I wish I had some right now, actually. Forget Watch, forget what it sounds like, what it seems like, what you think it might be, and experience factory. This I do not understand. (laughs) Why we don't have 100% participation in the original Willy Wonka. My brother-in-law, just last week, we were on the way to movies, and he asked me my favorite movies of all time. My second favorite movie of all time is Willy Wonka, The Chocolate Factory, and he hasn't seen it. And I said, Brian... People have heard it's weird. Maybe it seems somewhat creepy. I don't know. It is a little. (laughs) But it's also fun. It's whimsical. It's magical. It's memorable. Still, some of you will not let yourself experience the satisfaction of Oompa Loompas. So you're missing out because it's something you don't think you would like. And we could give a million other examples. Three might have been too many. We could give a million other examples similar to the opportunities before us as we look into our text today, leading us to a question. These these examples, the one we see in our text, are we going to miss out on the life that is available to us just because it doesn't sound like something good? 
Are we going to miss out on the life that is available to us in Jesus? Because it doesn't sound like we would like it. There are images, there are metaphors, there are commands all over Scripture that seem like off-putting. They can seem even joyless, right? When the reality is that Jesus died in our place to give us a life, why would that life not, why would he die to give us a bad life? Jesus died in our place to give us a beautiful way of life that we can't get anywhere else. And Peter, in his letter, is saying to us today, experience the life of knowing Jesus and being a part of what he makes you a part of in the body as you belong to God. Here's what it can look like to be a part of the people of God. And remember, when, when I say that, remember who Peter was writing to. We talked about this the first week of the series. Peter was writing to Christians who were exiled, who were living through persecution because of their Christian faith, dis- dispersed in the nations because of persecution. To those people, Peter said, hey, remember that you have been called by God. You belong to God. There is a lifestyle available to you that will allow you to live in hope, even in exile and persecution. So we're going to walk through the first 10 verses of Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to see three things about the life of Jesus that he has secured for us, that he wants us to experience, even though they might not seem awesome at first blush. Here's the first one. First, we are babies. And we can be satisfied. The Bible is about to call us babies. But in doing so, the Bible is also going to let us know that there is a way as God's people for us to be satisfied consistently. Check out the first three verses of chapter 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander like new salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is what? Like babies, we should desire the milk of the world, the, the word. Now, that might not sound great, but let's see. There's two commands. There's two commands that we just read in these first two verses. Rid yourself of the word if you have tasted that the Lord is good in verses 2 and 3. Two commands. Please don't disconnect the first command with the second Command. One of the reasons that we should desire God's word is that in it we experience God's wisdom for life. The Bible helps us grow into salvation, the text says. That means that God's word tells us to rid ourselves of things, and in doing so, it's outlining what way is best. This way is not bad. You're growing up and you're a salvation. Rid yourself of these things. And this specific list, more than a lot of lists in the Bible, uh, make it easier for us to see this reality. Rid yourself of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. There's a lot of lists of things to rid yourself in the Bible that you would have a harder time wanting to rid yourself of. You You know what I mean? Like, take envy. Nobody's like, man... My envy feels so good right now, right? I can't wait to do more envy. Like envy is one of those things that often, even as we are doing it, we can feel the destructive nature of it. Uh, People aren't waiting to get off work this Friday so they can throw themselves into their weekend of hypocrisy, right? 
we do those things for sure. We absolutely do those things. But it's easier to understand why God would want us to get rid of those things because they're dangerous and they're destructive. That's why I love this list that we're to rid ourselves of because it's contrasted with the command to desire God's word. Rid yourselves of these things that you can almost, almost naturally see are destructive and not good and desire God's word. Because it's not just in 1 Peter 2, all over the Bible, God gives us commands and tells us that we should not just follow his commands, but we should desire his commands because they're good. Here's a couple of examples. Deuteronomy 6.24, very famous, says, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. Psalm 19 One of the first passages, maybe the first passage I ever memorized. So beautiful. Psalm 19. The rules of the Lord, the rules, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are these rules of God than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Peter is telling us to desire God's word because God has the answers and it can go well with you. I've got a command in my family, had it for years, about parking lots. Now, Ever has now graduated from that rule. Dewey and Joy are right behind her in graduating from that rule, which actually speaks to the heart behind the law, right? Sure, the rule is hold my hand, and you better do it. But the reality behind the rule is because cars can kill It's a rule that wants my daughters to have life, right? Uh, I also command that my girls be obedient. I'm not awesome at it, but it is a rule. And obedience is a fundamental skill for a happy life. If, if, If my daughters never learn how to obey authority, they will end up in prison. And they are too cute for prison. God's word functions the same way. God wants it. God wants it to be well with us. And without stealing too much from the end of the sermon, of course he does. He who did not know sin was made sin for us so that we might become in him the righteousness of God. That God wants good. So when God tells us to rid ourselves of something like he does in verse 1, it's connected to his goodness like we see in verse 3, which leads us back to the second command in verse 2. We are told to desire the pure milk of the word like a newborn baby. Nobody wants to be called a baby. But this is so beautiful because it's a reminder that we as babies can be satisfied in him. Newborn infants. Now remember, Peter isn't only writing to new Christians when he writes the book of 1 Peter. He's writing to Christians. Many of whom already knew the Lord well enough to be suffering for him while scattered abroad, right? So the phrase newborn baby isn't only about new believers, it's also about hungry believers. Peter isn't, watch, Peter isn't just teaching us how long to desire the the milk of the word, but how intensely. We are like newborn babies in that we are desperate 
for the word because we know it's amazing. I mean, just look at that next phrase. Desire the pure milk of the word so that you may, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? A newborn baby passionately desires milk because it wants to be satisfied. The milk of the word because we know that the word and the God of the word can satisfy us. Let me give you another sushi illustration. I, want to, I don't want this to be a lie, so let me think about it for a second. Okay. My mouth is watering right now. Just thinking about saying the word. It's my favorite sushi roll. In the history of the world, I ate it all the time when we lived in Huntington Beach. I hate to tell you that California doesn't have much better than Tennessee, but it does have better sushi (laughs) and tacos. But here's the deal. Anybody can command me to desire the sunset roll at Sango Sushi on Yorktown Avenue, and I will obey because I love it. I've had it many times. I pray that even living here, that the Lord blesses my mouth with it again before he returns. (laughs) But I am happy to obey the command to to desire the pure milk. Peter's telling us, desire the pure milk of the word if you have tasted the pure milk of the word and already know that the God of that word is good. Desire what you already know is satisfying. Can't we follow that command? Hey, go ahead and want it because you know you should want it. You have wanted it. If you don't want it, you will want it again. Want it because you want to want it. As little babies, we don't just find God's wisdom through his word. We also find a way to enjoy God himself. I mean, that resonates with me even more. Then the sunset roll at Sango Sushi on Yorktown Avenue. I want God's word because I know it satisfies at this point. I know he's satisfied. This is how I've been getting God's word the last 20 days, I guess, since January 1st. It's a three times a day, which I've never done before, three times a day Bible reading and prayer journey put together by the great Trevin Wax. And every day is a chance, and it can be for you. You don't have to use this. This is full of the Bible. Your Bible's full of the Bible. I just wanted to bring what's in what I'm using right now so it's true. Every day is a chance for you and a chance for me to have what we saw in, verse, in chapter 1, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Anytime we go to God's word, we have a chance to hear from God. Anytime We go to God's word. We have a chance to be in his presence. And in his presence, the Bible promises is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Experiencing God is the ultimate goal of our existence. Experiencing God is the thing that we were created to find satisfaction in above all else. And every time we sit down and read his words, we have a chance of seeing him and hearing him and knowing him. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. But it doesn't always happen that way, does it? 
right? Kevin started the service off saying, sometimes it doesn't go that way. Even after we are rescued by Jesus, we are sinful, we're distracted. And sometimes, some days we come to him mostly. Let's be honest. Someday, with this, mostly with our stresses, mostly with our weaknesses, some days... Some morning, noon, and nights even, it can feel like required reading, right? I want to desire, but it's not working. But sometimes it's something else entirely. Because some days, some days we don't get all the way in. So we said last week, he knows that we are weak. He knows that we are dust. But some days we get there. One day last week, Scarlett and I were reading it together, the morning reading, and I just got to, bake, to break through. Get, just all of a sudden, we're laying in our bed, drinking our coffee, and it felt like being in the presence of God for moments, moments. I just couldn't believe for a few minutes all that I have in Jesus. I was legit overwhelmed by the food in my freezer. Give us this day our daily bread. And I was started to cry thinking about the food in my freezer. You know, that's not every day. I couldn't believe how satisfied, how loved I felt, even for a few minutes. And you guys know, you know what I'm talking about. Some days we open our Bibles and it's like we're Isaiah. And the Lord is sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. Go again tomorrow, because tomorrow might be the day. Monday morning, it might be tomorrow. The train of his robe seems to fill our hearts. We cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And my whole bedroom is filled with his glory. We remember his beauty. We feel his love. Those, days, those are the ones that's not required reading. Those are the ones that's required stop reading, because we've got to get to work. We can have that in Jesus, like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. We can be satisfied in the Lord. Here's the second thing God doesn't want us to miss out, even though it might sound not so great and even probably less not so great. More not so great. That was a little Willy Wonka-ish. Scratch that, reverse it. Okay. We are, here's the second thing. We are stones, and we can sacrifice. Yes, we are newborn babies who are satisfied by God, and we are living stones who serve God. Read verses 4 through 8. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves, as living stones... A spiritual house are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor, watch, so honor will come to you who believe. But for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, the one who has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over, they will stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. We are living stones. So here's how this works. 
as we become a people who are satisfied in Jesus, growing up in Jesus, so being built together into his church. We are built into a spiritual house, the text says, with Jesus as the cornerstone. Now, of course, Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the one who rescues us, who saves us. He is the one who satisfies us. He is the reason why we are together. So these four verses are about us, Blackman Baptist Church, a collection of people built on Jesus because we are his and he is ours. And after we are satisfied by Jesus and after we are built into a spiritual house together on Jesus, then what does the Bible say that we do? We are living stones who then offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That simply means that we get to give our worship and to give our service. We get to give of ourselves together. And I say get to because just like God's word is a delight, not just a discipline, serving God is a treasure as we respond to that delight. And this is another thing that sometimes we can we can forget, even though we've probably known and experienced and tasted it, unless you've never served the Lord, in which case, hey, let's do that. Because I think it's easy for us to think we must succumb to serving God begrudgingly. But it doesn't have to be that way. He makes our hearts joyful, and then we serve him joyfully. God satisfies us through his word, through his presence, and we respond by happily saying, God, my life is yours. It's yours. Notice in the text, he doesn't tear the spiritual sacrifices out of these living stones. The text says, as we come to him, it says we offer spiritual sacrifices. We just come to him. We offer them up. When we learn to desire God's word and when we taste his goodness, we respond to that goodness with lives that become offerings to him through Jesus Christ. So there was this girl that I went to middle school with, and I won't share her name because I think in hindsight she might have been a seventh grade girl bully. She used to make fun of me a lot, I know that, especially about the way I played with my pencils at my desk. Whatever, I enjoyed it. <laughs> and she used to tell me uh, how, much better my, how much better looking my dad was than me. Which was true, it's fine, it's fine. It's a very handsome man. And then, fast forward about nine years, and I met the incomparable, inestimable Scarlet, and we became best friends immediately. We hung out every, I think we skipped one day of hanging out in the nine months we weren't married. And we thought, this is awesome, so we got married. And Scarlett's my favorite person. <laughs> She's loved me pretty incredibly for 18 years. It is unbelievable getting to be married to her. I just need you to know that I, I found out that I need a kidney. Would you donate a kidney? I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure that's a sacrifice I could make. But if Scarlett needed a kidney... I would have a kidney in the cooler before they'd even verify the diagnosis. Let's get this out just in case. So dumb. 
But seriously, sacrificing for Scarlet would be an honor because she's the love of my life. And that's only sort of a good analogy because amazing as Scarlet is, she can't be compared to Jesus. He is infinitely perfect. He is inconceivably good. And God doesn't need our kidneys. He doesn't need us but he doesn't want us to miss out on the joy of serving with him. So he gives us the opportunity to give our lives to his purpose, to give our hearts to his glory, to give the gifts that he gives us to his service of the one who's made us happier than anybody else has. We give them gladly when he's the best thing that's ever happened to us. That's how this worked. We may call it a sacrifice, but it usually doesn't feel like a sacrifice. Living stones are built into a spiritual house together, which overflows with joyful offerings to the best one there is. That's the church. What a picture. Scarlet Hiltabidal can have my kidney. No questions asked because she's good. And we should be able to say, God can have my everything. No questions asked because I've tasted and seen that he's good. I've been chosen by him. I've been honored by him. His word is milk to me. It is satisfies. I've been built into a spiritual house of the one true God of the universe. So I willingly. I hope so. I pray that God makes us a people who are satisfied in Jesus. And when we are satisfied by him, we will serve him joyfully. One more. Point three. We are babies <laughs> and we can be satisfied. We are stones and we can sacrifice. Verses nine and ten. So good. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Guys, the best things that could ever be said about us are here in these verses. But focus on the royal priesthood for a moment because that's perhaps the one that connects most, most seamlessly with Peter's prior word pictures. You might not feel super comfortable thinking about yourself as a priest. But remember, across the history of the church, the priests were the primary ones who handled God's word. But Peter is saying, we are made priests. We can feast on the word like newborns. In the Old Testament, the priests were the only ones who could get into the presence of God. But now, Peter's teaching that we are all priests and we have access right now into the presence in which we can be satisfied. The only true presence into which we can be satisfied. The Old Testament, the priests were the only ones who could actually present sacrifices. But now, instead of us lining up and bringing our young calves for someone else to give to God. We are the priests and we are the sacrifices that we get to, we get to joyfully bring ourselves 
into the presence of God, in surrender before the one who chose us and made us holy, the one who brought us from darkness to life. May sound strange. It is impossibly glorious that we would be priests. I am a priest of the Most High. What an identity. I am a priest of the Most High. You are born into a living hope and made a holy priest of God. So let's finish. Because the Apostle Peter, Peter is, he's helping us see Jesus here by reminding us that once we were not a people, once we had no mercy, you remember? Once we had no access. But now, we're God's people. Now we have received mercy. Now tomorrow morning, <laughs> you may find yourself in the undeniable presence of God, maybe in a way you never had before. Peter is leading our hearts to ask the question, what turned a hopeless people into God's people? What turned a people who had no mercy to be immersed in the mercy of God? What moved us from darkness to light? Well, I'm going to, Peter answers that question at the end of this chapter. So I'm, I'm, I, it's fine. I'm in, I'm in charge. So I get to steal from the next week. Himself bore our sins In his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. It's because of Jesus that we can have these things both now and forever. How beautiful to be a baby! How blessed to be a stone! How astonishing to be a priest of God! Church, remember, Jesus took our darkness so that we can be in his marvelous light. Jesus was alone in death so that we could have the family of God. Jesus received God's wrath so that we could receive God's mercy. Because of the work of Jesus, we could be deeply satisfied right now. We can serve from that place of delight. We could come together as a part of this weird miracle of the family of God. And proclaim the, the praises of the one who called us out. That's what we do. That's what we do. We find satisfaction in God. We find purpose in him. We find a people to belong to in him. And we proclaim the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's not miss out. This isn't coffee. This is the very point of the created world. So I want to finish with a few ways that we can respond. I want to invite you, go ahead and close your eyes, if you will. I almost never ask you to do this, but I just want you to, to give the Lord a chance to nudge you closer towards being satisfied in him and living in light of that. I want to invite you to come up as we sing and receive prayer if there's anything in your life 
keeping you from desiring God's word or being satisfied in him. It might be something physical with your body. It might be something emotional, something spiritual. Let's pray together that we desire God more, be to, that we be satisfied in him more. So if God puts something on your heart right now, let us pray with you. There will be Come to one of us up front as we sing and join this body today. You are a living stone. You need a house, spiritual house to be built into. Hey, if you're not serving in the church and therefore serving God, you're missing out. You can come forward as we sing and one of us will talk to you. Although I think we'll probably just say go talk to Lara Gillette. I'm not 100% sure, but we'll figure it out. If you need a place to serve the body, we will find one. We get to be living stones together. And lastly, Weston's about to come back and we're going to be priests right now and stand in the presence of God. Right now. It's unreal. Right now. We get to praise the one who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, and we do it together. So, man, Peter is saying be a, be a praying, serving, singing people who proclaim God together. Let's do that with our lives. Let's do that right now in his presence. Let me pray for us. Father, you are the best thing that's ever happened to us. You are the good father. You are the one who died to pull us out of everything uh, that we were, to make us everything that you are, that we are not. And I pray that you would help us even in this moment, in this room, to, f- to, to feel the delight and satisfaction of, the, uh, of that again. I pray that we would rejoice. God, I pray if there's something in our life that is keeping us from desiring you and therefore being satisfied in you, that you would help us to rid ourselves of that so that we could experience the satisfaction of you. God, if there's anyone here who does not have a relationship with you through the finished work of Jesus Christ, would you draw them to yourself right now? Give them your living hope forever. Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us first. Help us to love you more in the name of Christ. Amen.